Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. We start with the uh, police raid on that nightclub in Vancouver. Now, remember last week, this went down in the early hours of Sunday morning. Now, remember what Premier John Horgan said last week about people who are breaking the COVID rules here during the pandemic. Here's what he said. You better behave appropriately. You better follow our public health guidelines or we'll come down on you like a ton of bricks. Okay, that was just a few days ago. Now we see this dramatic police raid. It happened early Sunday morning. Here is Sergeant Steve Addison from the VPD. Officers attended. They found 78 people inside the three-level apartment. Uh, my understanding is none of them were, were wearing masks. Uh, this appeared to be operating as a nightclub and uh, a bit of a show lounge. There were menus, there were tables, there were point-of-sale terminals, and there were cash tills throughout. It was a big operation. Let's check in with Mike Farnworth now, BC's Minister of Public Safety and the Solicitor General. Very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Minister, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Good morning. Okay, what are your thoughts on this police raid that we saw unfold uh, early yesterday morning? I think, like uh, most British Columbians, I was uh, very pleased uh, to see it take place and see uh, that... Uh, the number of fines that were levied, and that the organizer of this, uh, the alleged organizer of this, uh, of this quote nightclub, this illegal um, place, uh, was taken off to jail. Okay, yeah, he's uh, awaiting a bail hearing. We're, we're told this morning, so we're following that very closely uh, today. Are you, are you surprised that this kind of stuff is going on? And is this just kind of a one-off, or, or do you think there's more of this happening? Um, there are those who try and, uh, you know, skirt the rules, uh, and we've seen that. Um, we've seen it in some other parts of the province where people have, uh, you know, uh, not obeyed the, the orders in place, and police have gone in uh, and uh, not only ticketed but uh, have recommended uh, charges be laid and those forwarded to, uh, to Crown. Um, this uh, in Vancouver, I was really pleased to see the police uh, had done this. Clearly, they've investigated that there had been complaints and they've gone in. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this uh, scale with this particular uh, individual. But having said that, uh, they are now, as I said, uh, in jail and they are facing, you know, potentially uh, more significant charges than just the initial fines uh, that, uh, that they received. What do you say about people who continue to break the rules here during this pandemic, especially when we now have this new, uh, more contagious variants of COVID? We've just learned about a potential exposure of a COVID variant at a Metro high school that we're going to talk about on the show today. And yet at the same time, we still see, see this kind of stuff going on. How, how does that make you feel? Like most British Columbians, it makes me feel extremely angry uh, and frustrated that there are these kinds of uh, selfish, self-centered uh, morons out there who think that the rules don't apply to them, that somehow, um, you know, it, uh, it doesn't matter that they get to do what they want. They really need to take a good hard look at themselves and, and you know, do they really not care about their friends, their parents, their grandparents? Um, you know, how would they feel if they uh, were on a ventilator in a hospital because of their stupidity and self-centeredness uh, that they gave the virus to somebody they, they, they profess to care about? Um, it's just, you know, uh, most British Columbians just shake their head at these idiots.
Okay, I'm speaking to Solicitor General Mike Farnworth about yesterday's raid on an illegal uh, nightclub in Vancouver. What about the penalties here? Are the penalties sufficient to deal with situations like this? I mean, we see people have been ticketed for 230 bucks for being for being at the party. Is that a sufficient penalty? Uh, what do you think the penalty should be? The penalty um, is done under an administrative, so it can't be that high that the courts say that that's not fair, that you should ha- be able to have a hearing and due process and all of those things. Um, and so the penalty for attending, um, you know, for being caught at one of these things and not wearing a mask is $230. Right. But that being said, we have aligned the, the penalties now under the Emergency Program Act. So the police have the ability now to do what's called the long-form prosecution, which means that um, you could face a, a penalty of up to $10,000 and a year in jail, but that would have to be decided by a judge. And that is very much a possibility, for example, for the individual who organized um, this, um, th- this, this, illegal, this illegal nightclub. Um, they may face significantly uh, more penalties uh, than just those who, who attended. Uh, not only that, um, the city of Vancouver uh, may also look at this because they were running an illegal business without a business license. So there could be additional penalties there as well as I suspect that the, uh, the, the strata of the building that this was in, they may uh, be weighing in as well with additional penalties. Um, so there's a whole lot of, of, of other penalties that, uh, that the individual who organizes could be, uh, could be facing. Okay, interesting. Last question for you. We heard that clip from Premier John Horgan last week saying they want to come down on rule breakers like a ton of bricks. Uh, do you think, what is the message here from, from this particular raid we saw from police yesterday morning? The police are enforcing, and if you're that stupid that you think you can get away with something like this, the police will catch you, they will fine you, and you could face significant financial uh, consequences and possibly criminal charges. Um, you know, we've already seen, and, and uh, public shaming. Thanks for coming on this morning. My pleasure. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about the federal government's COVID travel restrictions now. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing uh, several measures last week, including the suspension of all flights to Mexico and the Caribbean uh, amid the coronavirus pandemic. Also, new uh, measures to require uh, people to isolate in a hotel when they arrive in Canada. Have a listen to this. This is Trudeau last week announcing uh, the shutdown of those flights to sun destinations. Air Canada. WestJet, Sunwing, and Air Transat are cancelling air service to all Caribbean destinations and Mexico starting this Sunday up until April 30th. All right, Justin Trudeau speaking last week. Meanwhile, of course, Canada is still struggling to secure more vaccine supply with some of the disruption in the supply chain. Let's talk about these issues now with my guest, Conservative MP Dan Albus. He represents the Central Okanagan in the House of Commons. Very pleased to welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mike. Can you tell me the Conservative Party's position here on these uh, these travel restrictions announced by the government last week? Are you guys on board with this? 
So we've been voicing the issue of the border uh, since last March. And at the time, the, the government said, no, 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 border controls don't work. And so we've been calling for rapid tests to be deployed so that when people come in, that people could know that uh, immediately who has COVID-19 and to protect Canadians from uh, this, these new variants. The government has continued to kind of have a, a Goldilocks formula that, you know, pleases maybe some and then not others, but it hasn't been very effective. Uh, they haven't put in full screening uh, provinces, even our own province, British Columbia, have sent health officials to tell people to quarantine. So this is just another step. Uh, and uh, again, uh, we need more details in terms of, uh, you know, what, what is happening. For example, Mike, uh, did, has the minister um, assured uh, the support of the Americans? Because, again, we have agreements to keep our skies open to between the United States and Canada. We're, we're subject to an agreement with that. But what if someone is using the American airports uh, for uh, a jumping point to other locations? These are questions that conservatives have. We'd like answers from this government. Okay. Do you think the, the crackdowns or the restrictions should be even tougher? Well, look, the, the prime minister, uh, and I'll, I'll give him credit for this one, has told people, if you are planning to fly for recreation and not essential or, or critical work, uh, you are putting everyone at risk. Uh, that's something that we believe. But again, the government has been slow to actually put in rapid testing. It's been slow to actually respond to these new variants. Uh, we've been in the House of Commons arguing for these things uh, for months. And now suddenly the government has switched, but they haven't put all the other things into it. So again, are the American airports, are they going to be allowing people to fly from Canada to the United States to other locales? Uh, What's that mean for our industry uh, here? You know, I'm hearing from people in the air industry that feel that this is a blow to their industry. And if we don't have our allies where we we do a lot of business with uh, working in concert, well, that's going to put both the health at risk, but also the, uh, the health of, of, that, of our airline industry at risk. Okay. Do you think that the, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the mandatory hotel stay for people as they wait for a test result. Here is Trudeau speaking on that last week. We will be introducing mandatory PCR testing at the airport for people returning to Canada. Travelers will then have to wait for up to three days at an approved hotel for their test results at their own expense, which is expected to be more than $2,000. Okay, Trudeau speaking last week, speaking to Conservative MP Dan Albus. Now, what do you think of this, uh, this system that the government has brought in? Well, again, we've been calling for tougher measures at the border that really effectively put public health first. So this seems to be an indication on that. The prime minister, uh, all public officials have been saying, do not travel unless it's essential. So if people have been traveling for recreational, I think that for many Canadians, they'll say, sorry, if you left the country for, for just, you know, just for a tourist visit, uh, that's not on. But there, there's some questions I'm having. He said for up to three days. So does that right. mean if someone gets a rapid test back? Do they still pay $2,000? And what accounts for that $2,000? I've heard from people saying, you know, there's, there's a different rates of what hotels would cost. And he said approved hotels. So are these only going to be in liberal ridings like Toronto oh. and Montreal? Uh, or are these going to be in other locations like Calgary? We just don't know uh, if it's right across the country or if it's going to be a few major airports. We just don't know. 
Okay, there are people complaining about the potential cost of these hotel quarantines. Let me play this here for you. This is Christine Van Gain. She's from the Canadian Constitution Foundation, speaking about the cost uh, of these hotel stays. And here's what she said about it. People don't have $2,000 to spend to re-enter their country, and they have a right to do that. This requirement is essentially keeping people out of their own country um, because it's prohibitively expensive okay what do you think of that you mentioned the point that there does seem to be some confusion around this like if you're only three nights in a hotel why would that cost two thousand dollars but your thoughts well exactly that the government still has to say uh, how they're going to make this work and in what locations are are we going to be having this in Kelowna or is it just going to be in Vancouver or Montreal these are the questions that need to be answered again uh, this is something where the government you know suddenly swerves uh, you know to, to change its policy but it hasn't done its homework it hasn't made sure that that this this uh, our allies are doing something similar uh, and this is this is the, the problem we have is is that again it could hurt our, our airline industry. It could make people pay for these extra costs, but the government isn't coming up with how long they've been working on this, why this plan makes sense. They haven't been giving that information to the public. Uh, every day we're asking for more transparency from this government. And let's not forget Trudeau said he would be open by default. Okay, you heard in that clip we played from the Prime Minister, he talked about a new testing regimen at the airport when people arrive in Canada. You, you touched earlier on the need to deploy rapid testing in Canada. Where would you deploy that? Like, where would you use rapid testing where it's not being implemented and used now? Well, uh, right now, airlines, when you're flying between provinces or between uh, international locations, that is 100% within the federal jurisdiction. Why has that not been included? Uh, we could make them available at borders just so that, again, uh, we could have those there so that people could be tested before they come into the country uh, when they're coming back uh, for, from doing essential and, and critical work. Look, this isn't rocket scientists. You, you find where the holes are and you, you plug it up. That's what these rapid tests are meant to because they allow for people to get quick knowledge. Do I have it? Do I not? And be able to move on with their lives. Right. Again, if someone gets sick, everyone's going to understand we need to quarantine them. But the problem is, is that people just don't know. And, and we've been calling like Germany and Japan had these things last October. We have thousands, if not millions in Canada on government store shelves. Why haven't they been deployed? Okay, speaking of Conservative MP Dan Albus, let me ask you about the disruption in the supply chain for the vaccine to Canada. We've seen the Pfizer uh, delays. We've seen some Moderna vaccine delays as well. Does the Trudeau government deserve any any blame for what's going on, or is this or is this sort of out of the government's hands and out of the government's control? Well, other governments are performing. Look, on January 25th, Washington State, with a population of 7.6 million, hit a milestone with over 500,000 doses of vaccine administered. As of January 29th, that had increased to 616,000. So 116,000 plus in four days. Now, by comparison, Mike, B.C., with a population of just over 5 million, as of January 25th, had administered only 120,000 doses. As of January 29th, 129,000, so just shy of 10,000 or so. Look, we see that the U.S. government, the EU, Brazil, so many other countries are posting their contracts online so that people can determine whether or not the government is doing everything under its power that it's contractually obligated to. We just don't know. Did they say that they weren't going to to run any any, uh, local or domestic uh, vaccination? 
creation um, uh, creation in this country, right? Yeah. Uh, the Cancino uh, uh, debacle. Yeah, they said, oh, we have this great deal uh, to have these uh, produced here in Canada, put millions of dollars into it. Then three days later, find out that China's deep six the whole project, and then they didn't tell anyone until July. This is the problem with this government. Okay. They only want the spotlight when it's to their purpose, and everything else, they don't want to be accountable. Okay, a lot of people would like to see copies of the contracts, the deals that the government has signed with these big pharma companies like Pfizer and Moderna. Let's actually see the nitty-gritty here. What did we actually agree to on behalf of Canadians? Obviously, there's some commercial sensitivities involved in any kind of a commercial contract like that. Do you think that they could be released with redactions, like to take out any kind of uh, commercially sensitive information there and just give people disclosure? And did you say, like other countries are doing that, right? Did you say other countries are releasing these contracts? The European Union, uh, with their AstraZeneca of a contract, the United States, the same. They're all public. Uh, um, Amir Adaran, a critic of the government on, on uh, Twitter on last, uh, let's see, January 29th, had done a series of tweets saying, here's what everyone else is doing. Why is it that every other government is doing this out of a good faith with the public, yet our government is not? When we see a, a company from Calgary, uh, the CEO saying, we wanted to make these vaccines here, but things like we charity got more funding and got rapidly through cabinet like this is ridiculous the government needs to come clean so we can hold them to account and look i want this government i want the government to succeed in vaccinating people why because my family depends on it all of our families depend on it but they need to start being fair and open with canadians all right conservative mp dan albus thank you for coming on today thanks so much mike Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Appreciate the time. All right. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about some of the stock market turmoil we've seen now. The headline on Bloomberg News Service at this hour, silver prices surge to an eight-year high amid Reddit-fueled frenzy. Yes, last week it was GameStop. This week it's silver. Wild price fluctuations here on the market. A lot of it traced to that Wall Street Bets forum on Reddit. Is this a bad thing? Should regulators step in here now? Let's talk about it now with my guest, Kevin O'Leary, the co-founder of O'Shares ETFs. And of course, he's the star of Shark Tank, the very popular business reality show. I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Kevin, thanks a lot for coming on. Great to be here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So this is wild what we've seen here. Is this like the new normal? Now we see silver going on a wild ride here. Is this the new normal here with these Reddit traders? It seems to be. It was a remarkable week last week. For institutional traders, uh, most of it was disbelief. But by Thursday, when we started to see the volumes on GameStop, it was clear that institutions were involved because 
At that point, the stock was well over $300 and trading 60, 70, 80 million shares. That is not retail investing anymore. But what's yeah. interesting is it's now the power that the small retail investor has, which I would consider to be a good thing because you want inclusiveness in the market. Investing for some people means owning a stock for a millisecond and for others 10 years. And you want our financial markets in North America to accommodate both. And so anytime you have volatility, you always get um, a cry, hue and cry, primarily from politicians looking to get some airtime on networks that everything has to be regulated. But I don't think yeah. that's the case here. It's, it's unnecessary. The markets are performing uh, with complete transparency, although it is changing the rules a bit. It's going to be a different world with the power that uh, the, the social media, let's call them herd, now have. Yeah. yeah, no, it's amazing. It's a dangerous game, though, isn't it? I mean, I'm taking a look at the GameStop uh, stock right now, which is at 245 bucks. It's down like almost 26%. On the day, so a lot of people could be losing a lot of money here if they pl- play this game. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, it could be, but you know, I remind people um, volatility is the hallmark of speculation. The entire stock market is a speculation. Even when you buy a blue chip stock, you're speculating that down the road its profits will increase. That is another form of speculation. And you know, as far as the the, the business model of you know the biggest criticism is that everybody was short GameStop because it's a worthless company. And I would argue that you have to be careful with assumptions like that. I can recall a day when Netflix would ship you DVDs to your (laughs) home by mail, and everybody said that was going to go away when the Internet came, and look at what happened. So the management of GameStop may take an opportunity here. Uh, They could raise capital, maybe, or certainly their brand has become global in a matter of a week. Um... I knew there was something different on this one. You know, I I have a a lot of followers on social media. One of the most active platforms is on Instagram, where there's a tremendous community of investors and Reddit crowders and and everybody else. And on Saturday morning, I saw something I'd never seen before, because I really thought the story was just going to uh, just go away, as many news cycles do after, you know, 36 hours. Sure. Not so. Um, by Saturday morning, I, I think I'm Kevin O'Leary TV on Instagram. It was on fire. It, mm. This this empowerment to the people issue was exploding everywhere, including on Instagram. And I'd never seen anything like that. And I responded by posting a few videos because you could see that people wanted an explanation. And that's you know what I do and try and do. And that issue has not stopped. I mean, it, it really is something different. And in some ways, I'm in awe of it, and I'm also I'm, I'm good with it. I think it's a good thing. Mm. Okay, it is, it is really interesting. Kevin O'Leary is my guest, the star of Shark Tank. So some people are calling for regulators to step in here. Should they have stopped trading of GameStop stock when this was going on the other day? Should, should regulators be stepping in here to try and protect maybe small investors who are doing very risky trades? You're, you're, you're saying stay out of it, right? Just let the market handle itself. Well, let me, let me bring forward an issue that I think hasn't been resolved yet, and, and right. maybe why this is good, what's happening. You know, for the last decade, and this includes uh, Canada and the United States, there's over 110 million people in both countries that do not have any strategy for retirement. They have no investment account. They were never taught how to do that in high school. We teach everybody else sex education, geography, math, reading skills. We do not talk to them about credit cards or investing. And so we shouldn't be surprised that 110 million people have no idea and they have no plan. And so along comes this Robin Hood platform. And the yeah. reason it, it's so intriguing 
is no money center bank, none of the Canadian banks or the American banks ever want an account with $200 in it. They make no money. But this guy said, Vlad and his team, come one, come all. We'll bring you into the market together, even if you have $50. And he got 16 million accounts. That's the envy of every bank in the world. And now he's got, you know, a huge, he just raised another $2 billion an hour ago. So he's a real force on Wall Street and on Main Street. And there you have it. The power of the people, even in small increments, can be very, very large, a very bright candle when it's focused like this. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the reaction of what's going on. I mean, it, I think your take is fascinating on it, the power of the people, and let's just let the markets be the markets here. Let me play this here for you, Kevin. This is uh, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Arcasio-Cortez on the whole GameStop phenomenon that we've seen here, and here's her thoughts on it. Everyday people were finally able to collectively organize and get back at the folks who have historically had all the marbles on Wall Street and force one hedge fund into an existential crisis. You think that's what was going on here? Like everyday people kind of taking revenge on these big hedge funds? Is that what it was about? It's not clear that that's the motivation. I think the motivation was more a financial structural one where if you actually go to these blogs and read the Reddit bets on Wall Street, they're they're actually not stupid investors there. They're saying, look, here's a situation where the float of the stock is more than 50% short, and if we just go after it, we're probably going to cause a short squeeze. We don't know exactly who's short and how much they borrowed, but that's exactly what they did. They, they got together. I mean, my son called me up and said, Dad, uh, I'm part of this movement. I'm part of the tribe. We're going to stick it to the man. And I said, well, just make sure you don't stick it to your old man. Go after somebody else. But that's exactly what they did. And But they had a plan. I mean, yeah. you know, they basically, and you have to decide how much tolerance you have. In the case of my son, Trevor, who's working at Tesla in San Francisco, his crew put in 200 bucks each, and they made $699 wow. a piece. Wow. And so it, it's hard for me to tell him that's gambling when he actually right. understands what he's doing. And then he took a portion of his profits and put it into an index fund for his retirement. So for me, that's great. Um, I would think here's the outcome of this. There's, you know, the $250 million hedge fund that charges 2% and 20 of gains, those are a dime a dozen. There's just thousands of them. Their big problem today is if they expose themselves of being short, they run the risk that this herd is going to come after them and squeeze them out of business. That's a new factor, and I would argue that's a good thing. Okay, fascinating take on it as always. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Take care. All right, welcome back. We learned last night Garibaldi Secondary School in Maple Ridge dealing with an exposure event that involves a more contagious variant of COVID-19. The school remains open for now, but rapid testing has been offered for staff and students who may have been in contact with this case. Our show contributor, John Jang, spoke with the person who broke this story. John. Good morning, Mike. Parents and students of Garibaldi Secondary Maple Ridge received a letter on Sunday night by the Fraser Health Authority informing them that an individual at the school tested positive for COVID-19 and is a close contact of somebody else who tested positive for one of the new variants of this virus. So for more on this, we're now joined by Kathy Marlis. She's the creator and admin for the BC School COVID Tracker Facebook page. And Kathy, you were actually the first to share this letter to your 44,000 followers on the Facebook page. Take us through that process of exactly how it all happened yesterday. 
Well, we heard from a parent last night who forwarded me the letter she received from her school that indicated uh, very clearly that an exposure happened on January the 18th and 19th at their at that school, and the individual that was COVID positive, it said that that individual was exposed to someone with a variant case of COVID. It didn't say that that person definitely had the variant, but was exposed to someone who did have it. So I guess red alert, and the school went on. Uh, Fraser Health wanted to make sure that um, they could check as many people, I guess, that they felt were exposed. So I know one class, hers, this mom's son's class in particular, was going to all get a rapid test uh, scheduled for today. And then I was getting more messages saying other classes were being included as well. And then we got word that the testing site in Maple Ridge that was going to do this testing was going to close down to the general public and just be testing these students and staff on Garibaldi. So when I read the letter, my heart sank. Not that it was a surprise because we hear about the variant cases and how easily this can can come. We know they're in BC. And we don't know how widespread they truly are because we're we're not being told all the numbers, and we also uh, have been sort of told by public health that they're not testing for it with every test that they give. So we're not really sure how widespread it is, but we're kind of you know walking on eggshells, waiting for this to happen, and it's happening. It's like the nightmare's coming true. So my heart just sank because I was like, here we go, and it makes me sad because. We know this is going to happen, and why are we not doing anything more proactively to prevent and to protect? And we're just waiting for this bomb to explode, and and that's what that's what's happening. On that note, in the letter from Fraser Health, when they talk about how these tests are being done out of an abundance of caution, how do you think parents feel about that, considering... As of this morning, the school is still open. One might say this feels like a half measure, sort of a one-step-forward, two-step-back sort of approach. Correct. And, and the word abundance of caution. I mean, if they're taking abundance of caution now, why aren't they doing this from day one? There hasn't been an abundance of caution, we feel, ever. You know, it's been minimal caution. And all of a sudden, now it's an abundance, and they're not even fully. It's like if you're going to do it, you know, go big or go home. Do it right. And it's not, it's just not happening. When you say that we have concerns, uh, you're talking on behalf of the parent who sent you this letter yesterday and gave you the heads up that this is happening right now at Garibaldi. What is the level of concern shared by that parent to you, considering they are now facing the possibility that this could be the tip of the iceberg, not just at Garibaldi, but perhaps across Maple Ridge? I think, um, you know, it's pretty obvious, you know, every, everyone's nervous. I, I know this mom is definitely nervous. They, they said they feel okay uh, for the time being. They are not exhibiting any symptoms, but she's worried about others. I mean, I think that's the most part what I'm hearing from people in general who are in this position. It's, I mean, they're worried about themselves, but they're worried about their neighbors. They're worried about their friends. They're all in this together, and they just feel horrible that they have to go and face this uncertainty um, it's sort of, you know, like I said, they're all walking on eggshells and they're, they're scared what the future holds. And this could have been avoided or at least minimized greatly. So it's it's incredibly unfortunate. Everyone's just feeling, I think there's a sense of defeat as well, you know, anger, defeat, sadness. Uh, and, and these poor kids, you know, that they have to face this and know that they're going for this rapid test. I mean, they, these are 
these are kids that are smart and watch the news. They know what's happening. And I think it had a huge impact on their mental health. One thing you mentioned on your Facebook page is that the issue of mandatory masks is apparently not entirely up to Dr. Bonnie Henry and the ministry. In fact, individual school boards have this authority to enforce a mandatory mask policy if they feel that it's appropriate. Can you elaborate on that point here? Correct. Yeah, it was brought to our attention just yesterday, actually, that um, through advice from the Minister of Education, that the school districts actually have the autonomy to make decisions about safety precautions in their schools and that they can do this. They do not need public health guidance or approval to do that. And obviously, public health has said masks are not necessary at all times in schools. They don't have to adhere to that guidance. They can choose what's right for them and their school communities. And for a lot of people, that was a shocker because we've been told time and time again, teachers have, school staff have, that you know we can't mandate math as a district because public health has not mandated it. So everyone's kind of, you know, listened and kind of resigned themselves to that. We need to, you know, fight public health to make this order in effect. In truth, you know, the person making the big decisions, like a public health officer, it would be great if she would say, you know what, masks are a wonderful tool, we should use it, and say, you know, um, I think it's a good thing to do, and, ma- and mandate it would make life much easier. But the fact remains is that these districts can, it can go to a vote, it's been done in Victoria, they went to the trustees, they went to vote, unfortunately it, it lost by one vote. Um, and I think they're reattempting to try and change that order. But the, the truth is they can. And what I always say is why? If you have a toolbox of tools that you know work and will protect people, and it's kind of a no-brainer, why would you not use them? Where is the decency and care for your your fellow citizens, for the people we, you know, why would they not want to care for the people that are in their buildings? It just doesn't make sense why they just wouldn't use these strategies. She is Kathy Marlis. She is the creator and the administrator of the BC School COVID Tracker Facebook page with over 44,000 followers. Kathy, once again, thank you so much for joining us here today and doing what it is that you do. We feel the support and the love and, and thank you for, for allowing us to get the word out as always.